We've been looking at some parables over the past few weeks, and the beautiful thing about Jesus' parables is that he was able to craft them to accomplish a specific purpose. Now, he could have told stories about events that really happened, but when you tell a story of events that really happened, you are confined to what actually happened. So, while Jesus did tell stories at times, his parables are different. He crafted these parables. He created characters. He had those characters say things and do things because he wanted those characters to teach us and to help us grow and to help us understand what he was all about and to help us understand what we're all about. And one of Jesus' favorite parables is the parable of the prodigal son, which is actually the parable of two prodigal sons, the son who strayed and the son who stayed, as we shall see in a bit. So the question is, what was Jesus doing with this parable? Well, first, let's look at the parable. It's in Luke chapter 15, and we read Luke introduced the parable by giving a bit of the background. Verse 1 of Luke chapter 15, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. So Jesus was hanging out with the wrong crowd, the bad people. And so the good people, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, muttered, saying, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Kind of ticked Jesus off. So it seems often in the Gospels, when we see the Pharisees, the scribes, the others trying to pick a fight with Jesus, Jesus tells them a story. (laughs) How do you fight with somebody who's telling you a story or telling you a parable? So Jesus launched into a parable. Now, a couple of things we want to notice here in verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. So while I'm sure anybody who wanted to hear it could hear it, but in the immediate context, Jesus addressed this parable to the Pharisees and the scribes who were condemning him because he was hanging out with the wrong crowd. My son has a beautiful picture of the Last Supper that a friend of his painted. The table has a soiled tablecloth. Jesus is sitting in the middle, and across the table you have all kinds of the wrong people. Obviously, a woman of the streets, a terrorist, all kinds of bad-looking people. And you look at that, it's kind of a shock at first, but then you realize these are the people Jesus came for. People like you. (laughs) People like me. We're all shined up to look like good Presbyterians this morning. But Jesus said, I I see inside. I'm not accusing you. I know one of you wonderful people. But once in a while, we might need Jesus to intervene in our lives. So Jesus is talking here about, uh, he told them, and then the next thing we want to notice, he told them, the people who need 
his message. But specifically here, it was those who were condemning him because he was hanging out with the people who desperately needed him. And then the second thing is he told them this parable. Now, the parable has three stories in it. But to see the three stories as three separate parables is to miss the power of this parable. So as we look through this, and I'm not going to take the time to read it word for word, just to summarize it, but as you hear these three stories, ask yourself, what's the connection? Why are these three stories one single parable? Jesus did this often in his ministry, a parable with multiple stories. So the first story Jesus told in this parable, so suppose one of you. Now, again, the genius of Jesus, he opened with a question. That's the Jewish way of teaching, to get our minds engaged. Suppose one of you, you heard about the kid who asked the rabbi, Rabbi, how come you always answer a question with a question? The rabbi said, why do you ask? (laughs) So Jesus began with a question. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep, one of them is lost. Would not you leave the 99 and go search for the one until you find it? And when the shepherd has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing, and he goes back to his house. Kind of an interesting twist. He doesn't take the sheep back to the flock. He takes it home with him. And he calls his friends and neighbors and says, rejoice, join me together. Let's rejoice. I found my lost sheep. This is terrific. And they had a party. And then Jesus asked him another question. Then he had a little comment on that particular story. Then he says, now, or verse 8, suppose a woman has, seven, has a, ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp and sweep her house and search diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says, come, rejoice with me. Have a party. She spends the coin on bug juice and cookies for the party. But the thing thing is, she found her coin and she rejoices. So something lost, something found. A sheep, a coin. And then Jesus continued into the third story. Now, the first story, the sheep, three verses. Second story, two verses. This one we go all the way from verse 11 to verse 32. And I can hear some of you figuring this one out. It's a little longer, okay? So, Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of the two said, Dad, I want my share of the inheritance now. I love you, Dad, but I'm not going to wait till you kick off. I want mine now. My son took me bike riding yesterday. I thought he was going to kill me to get my inheritance. You get both dollars all at once here. But so the young guy said, Dad, I want my inheritance. And then he took his money, his share of the, of the estate, and it says he went off and blew it with riotous living. And when his money was all gone, a severe famine hit the land. And he was starving. He'd run out of money. He's in a foreign land. Now, this is a, as Jesus is telling the story to these leaders, They're obviously picturing a Jewish kid who went to the far country, Gentileville, outside of the protection and the ways and the lifestyle and the value system of the Jews. He's out there with the Gentiles. 
And when the famine hit, he had run out of money. And often is the case, when you run out of money, you run out of friends. When you have the kind of friends that money buys. He was destitute. And again, remember the Jewish context. He went to a person, to a, a, a native a citizen of that far country and said, hey, I need a job. I'm starving to death. The guy was a farmer. He said, yeah, I got a job for you. Send him off to feed pigs. Again, the Jewish con- feed pigs. So he's feeding the pigs, and it says he was so hungry, he longed to eat the pods He was feeding the pigs. So as Jesus is creating this scene, he's saying this kid didn't just hit bottom. He broke clear through the bottom. He needed a ladder to reach the bottom. Starving to death in a foreign country. He blew his money on wild living. And then you notice verse uh, 11, when he came to his senses, When he was so destitute, he was so far down, he came to his senses. Let me say, I can identify with that. I didn't really get life figured out until it was tough. I hit bottom. I've talked with some of you here who've told me your story and you're spending the rest of your life dealing with some of that stuff so this kid hit the bottom he came to his senses and he said how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here I am starving to death in this foreign country And what it says literally is, I will stand up. It says in the NIV, I will set out and go back. But what the word says is, I will stand up. I came to my senses. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to stand up on my hind legs and do something. I'll go back to my dad and say to his father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But can I just have a job? Honest day's work for an honest day's pay. So what he said, he go to his father and said, will you make me one of your hired servants? I'm starving over here. At least I can work for you and, and have a job. So again, verse 20, so he stood up and went to his father. Not only did he repent and, and say, I'm at the bottom and I came to my senses and I make a decision, I act on the decision. So here the kid starts, starts off for home. Well, then Jesus changed the scene. So verse 20, he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion and ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. So here's the picture Jesus painted Well, the kid's off, who knows where, blowing his inheritance with wild living. Dad is like the shepherd, looking, missing the lost sheep. Like the woman saying, I miss my coin. But far more, as dad says, my son, 
where is my son? And Jesus painted this picture while the kid was still way down the road. Dad saw him, which Jesus is saying, I want you to understand this dad was looking. This dad was searching. He didn't go out and look. He didn't know where he was. He went off to a fire. Who knows where he was? But you can almost see this dad, you know, gets up in the morning after breakfast. He says, I'm going to go out and check the front lawn and see how the grass is doing. So he goes out and looks down and he goes down and he says, looks down the road this way. Looks down the road this way. Nothing. He goes back in the house. Gets his stuff together, goes out to the fields. He's a farmer. Goes out to the fields, does his work. Comes in for lunch. After lunch, says, I'm going to take a little walk. Goes out to the front gate. Looks down the road. Down the road. Nothing. So after dinner, says to his wife, I'm going to see if the lawn sprinklers are working. Goes out front, goes out to the gate. Sun's going down. Looks east. Nothing. Looks west. Sun's in his eyes. Kind of. Nothing. Wait a minute. There is somebody down there. I can just barely see him. I'm going to see. Figure gets closer. He says, I think it's him. He's got that same goofy walk. And then it's, it's him, it's him. And he goes running down the road and he throws his arms and welcome home, son. I've been looking, I've been waiting, I've been praying, I've been hurting. Glad you're home. What a wonderful thing. And the son and the kid goes into his little speech. Son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to him, shut up. I don't need to hear that. I know you're home. You wouldn't be here if you weren't sorry. And he says to the servants, quickly, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. Now, the ring on the finger could very well signify that's how they seal documents. And giving the kid the ring with the seal says you're fully instated as a son. Welcome back, baby. Glad you're here. Welcome back. Kill the fattened calf. Let's feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. What a beautiful story. What a beautiful story in this parable. Now, if I had been Jesus, everybody's on a high note. Everybody's, oh, it is great. You got the people out there, you know. What a beautiful story, you know. I can't. But Jesus added a third chapter. The music goes down a little bit. The lights darken. Dun, dun, dun. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. Well, the older son, we forgot about him. We're all concerned about the little snot that went away. What about this guy? Well, he's there. And when he heard the singing and dancing, he said, what's going on? Who dares to be happy? What's happening in there? 
And the servant said, your brother came back. And your father's he's so excited, he killed a fattened calf while having this great celebration. The older brother said, mm, I'm not going in there. He doesn't deserve a celebration. He's a sinner. He went off and took the money and spent it on, well, as he says, harlots. He did what I fantasize about but don't have the courage to do. Because I don't want to lose my inheritance because I get the whole farm. I'm the older brother. So he's angry. Everybody else is excited except the older brother. And then look what it says here. The verse 28. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. Wow. I was talking about this with my son, Chris, yesterday. We were, I practiced on him yesterday. <laughs> and I said, now, you get this story? This, this, this older brother refuses to go into the party and celebrate because his younger brother came home. I said, Chris, how do you think Pop Buzzle would have responded if he had been that father? And we just laughed because, you know, Pop Buzzle, he said, well, he would have come out with a two-by-four and said, you get your mm into that house, I'm going to rearrange your head. Which probably some of us, you know, you got this kid acting this way? No. You see, dad was concerned about the kid who strayed. Because he was disobedient. He wasn't doing it right. But he's equally concerned about the kid who stayed. The kid that says, hey, Dad, I've been faithful all these years. I never went off and blew your money on anything. I've worked hard. I've been faithful. You never killed fat and calf for me. The father said, the whole stuff belongs to you. You can kill a calf any time you want. What's the deal? So they had this bit of a conversation. And the, my son, the father, said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother, this brother of yours, you notice he couldn't even call him his brother. The older brother said, this son of yours. The father said, no, no, no. This brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Three things lost, three things found. But notice what Jesus dropped into the parable after the first two stories. Verse 7, after the guy found his sheep, he said, uh, uh, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. That's verse 6. Verse 7, I tell you, he says to these Pharisees and scribes who were condemning him for having dinner with sinners. I tell you that in the same way as that shepherd celebrated, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99, and don't miss the irony here, 99 righteous persons, you guys who think you're righteous, who do not need to repent. And then verse 10, after telling the story about the lost coin, and the woman gathered her friends and neighbors and had a, had a celebration 
She said, rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. Verse 10, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And as you read through this parable, you find the words joyfully, rejoice, rejoicing, rejoice, rejoicing, celebrate, celebrate. Something was lost, something is found. And what Jesus was telling them in this parable is that these people that you are condemning me for spending time with are the whole reason I came. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And he went to lengths to show these pious frauds just what it means to be lost. This kid was destitute. This kid was out of his senses, out of his mind, feeding the pigs, longing to eat pig food. Then he came to his senses. And Jesus said to these religious folks, these religiosos, you see these people I'm meeting with? All you see is scum. All you see is fault. People have done it wrong. They deserve what they get. I worked hard. I kept my nose clean. Why didn't they? They deserve what they got. Very pious, superior attitude. Jesus said, have you ever looked and thought and prayed and wept over these people who need Jesus? They're lost. Now we see a homeless guy. And they say, yeah, he's lost. And he is. Down and outer. But Jesus sees the people living in the gated communities just as well and in the same way. Inside, they are just as lost. They just as desperately need to know Jesus as the homeless guy. See the hungry person rummaging through the dumpster. Oh, yeah, that guy's lost. That guy's lost, obviously. But you look across the dining room at your country club. Some of those folks are just as lost. Just as desperately needing Jesus. It's our neighbors. The folks we play tennis with. The folks we play golf with. The folks we used to work with. <laughs> Your neighbors. Jesus said, I see them as lost. I see them as people, I'm going to take my time, and I'm going to risk the criticism of befriending these people. I have friends 
who've done stuff that would break your heart, Jesus said. The prostitutes, the drunkards, the tax collectors, the people who you wouldn't even spit on. They're who I came for. But I also came for you. And that's where the older brother comes in. You see, the father in this parable immediately is Jesus. Because he is the shepherd who's out looking for the lost sheep when he's having dinner with the publicans and sinners. He is the woman who lit the lamp and swept the house and is searching for the coin when he's having dinner with the undesirables. He's the father who's looking down the street, looking, longing for people who are lost. Because he said, that's my whole mission. I came to seek and to save the lost. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so he could save people out of the world. Jesus loves people, whether they're saved, born again, whatever language you want to use, or not. And then we talk about the older brother. Remember, Jesus told them, the scribes and Pharisees, the parable. In the parable, the scribes and Pharisees are the older brother. While dad and the family and the servants are in there having the fattened calf and drinking the stuff and having a great party, the older brother's out there grousing, condemning, pointing the bony finger of accusation. But notice what dad did? Went out and pleaded with him. He said, buddy, you got a problem too. Every bit as much as your brother was lost. This activity you're doing is so contrary to everything I came to earth to do. That you need to come to your senses. And Jesus then was talking to the religious crowd. People say, you know, I'm so busy with my church activities, I don't have any time to go reach lost people. We've discovered that when a person becomes a Christian. They're a good evangelist. They are good at sharing their faith for about two or three years till they get into a church and all of their friends and all the people they play golf with and all the people they have dinner with are people from the church. And we become a holy huddle. And one of our statements in the church mission statement is to connect with God one another, and the world through Christ. And the way we connect with the world through Christ is to connect the world to Christ. So my plea this morning for all of us is that we will regularly pray that God will give us opportunities, or God will help us see the opportunities to reach out to folks who don't know Jesus. He came to seek and to save the lost. If uh, one of you raised a million dollars 
to help the homeless. And you knew you were going to have to go away, and so you formed a team or a committee and turned the work of distributing this million dollars to help the homeless because you have a deep compassion for the homeless. And you commissioned them to take this money and wisely write checks and help the homeless get their lives together. And oh, yeah, yeah, we get it. And then you go away. You call back a week later and say, hey, how's it going? Well, we haven't really done anything yet. <laughs> Been busy. You call back oh, another week later. Hey, get any, any homeless, any checks? on No, 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 no. We got, we're doing religious work. We haven't had a chance to distribute any of that money yet. Six months later, homeless are still out there. A million bucks is still in the bank. We've been so preoccupied with our religious activities, we just haven't had time to get anything done. Well, when Jesus left, he gave us two commissions. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, he said, go into all the world and make disciples by baptizing them, by bringing them into a relationship with me, finding the lost sheep, finding the lost coin, finding the lost son, introducing them to a personal relationship with me because they're lost whether they live in the gated community or they're homeless. They're lost. They're lost in desperate need. And we are the ones who can help them come to their senses, bring them into a relationship with me, and then teach them to observe everything that I have commanded you, that I've taught you. And then the last thing he said on the Mount of Olives outside Jerusalem, just before he ascended to heaven, you will be my witnesses. So Jesus said, I came and I, I, I raised the greatest gift anybody could ever imagine, the gift of life, the gift of life with me, a personal relationship with me, eternally. That's what I raised. It cost me my life. And now I'm leaving and I'm putting it in your hands. You've got the checks. You've got the good news. You've got the message of the gospel. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us lives like we should. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. If anyone hears my voice and comes to me, I will forgive him. I will Bring him in. I will make him or her a son or daughter. It's really that simple. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. So all these people who are lost are our responsibility to find. Jesus called back a week later. He says, how are we doing on the project? Well, we had a potluck supper. Yeah, good. Calls back a week later. How are we doing on the project? Good worship service. Good, good. What else are you doing? Well, we're planning next week's worship service. Call this morning. How are you doing? We got a bunch of kids coming from the community. Some of their parents are lost. Some of those kids are lost. We're going to spend a week telling them about Jesus.
And we got folks who are hearing the message. They're understanding the passion you have for the lost. And they're going to start praying every day that God will give them opportunities or help them see the opportunities in their neighborhood. Every place we go, we run into people who are lost. Jesus said, find them. Rejoice together that a new sinner has come into the kingdom of God. And every time you do, verse 7 and verse 10, all heaven lights up and rejoices over one lost sinner who repents. Jesus said, that's what I came for. And that's what I've given you as your lifelong task. Praise God for the privilege.